Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is the Justin Ray from the 21st Group, and we've got a lot to get to this season. It begins, finally. Oh, we have got some golf on the PGA Tour this week. Boy, this is going to wind up being the longest 11 days of my life with no PGA Tour golf, but we did have the BMW PGA Championship in between on the European Tour, their flagship event, won by an American Billy Horschel, and maybe some quote-unquote controversy afterwards. We've got the Ryder Cup, of course, coming up next week, and we're even going to preview this season a little bit coming up, so a lot of stuff to talk about here in the pod. What's going on, Jay Ray? How are you? I'm good. I mean, it was a great weekend at Wentworth, a great final round, a lot of volatility there. The European final automatic qualifying uh, spots hammered out for their team, and then the captain's picks coming immediately after that. And for the U.S. team, okay, we've got all the players, or do we? Is Brooks Kepka going to be able to play at Whistling Straits? That's kind of the last remaining question filling out these rosters. Um, Hopefully his wrist is all right and he's able to go, but still a little bit of a question there, and that's kind of the last we're not quite there. I know we've, we've been talking about the rosters and who's going to make this team for so long. And we, oh, are we there? Oh, maybe. Oh, we're so close. But, you know, maybe we've got it. We'll see if we need to replace Brooks Kepka. And then you've got a whole other few days of conversation of, uh, of who might fill in that spot. I can't wait, Jay Ray. I told you this before we started the podcast, but I'll say it as we're recording the podcast. We have talked so much over the previous two weeks about everyone who's not playing in the Ryder Cup. I can't wait till we get to next week and we can talk about the players who actually are playing in the Ryder Cup. That's going to be way more fun. But for now, we're still talking about the guys who aren't playing. Let's start with uh, Brooks Kepka, who for now is playing. And I, I still believe, and even though there are reports that there were 11 U.S. Ryder Cup players at Whistling Straits this weekend, and the 12th was Brooks Kepka, who is not there, even though... We know that I, I still, if we've watched Brooks Kepka over the last five or six years, what we know about him is he's been hurt a lot and he plays through the injuries. And as long as it's not to the detriment of the U S team, I, I do think that we're going to see him. I, I would expect to maybe see him in foursomes and not four balls, which essentially you just play nine holes. You're playing half the shots uh, as you would in four balls. So he can still be an asset to the team. If indeed he's at least nominally, healthy going into this thing, but Hey, we're doing this thing. And this is what we talk about in the week before Ryder cup. So let's get after it. Who would be the 13th guy? And where do you see maybe, you know, if you've got to bring a guy there and, and maybe you have to bring them there without any promise of the guy's going to necessarily be on the team and necessarily play, but he's got to be sitting in the team room waiting to go. Uh, who might that player be? Well, 
first of all, as a, uh, like I, we've talked about in the past on this podcast, my company works directly with Captain Harrington and Team Europe in the mm-hmm. strategy perspective. So not giving away any secret sauce. What I will say is that Brooks Kepka always succeeds when people doubt him. He really fuels himself off that chip on his shoulder. Brooks, I want to tell you, I believe in you, okay? Just to <laughs> throw that out there, you're going to be, you can be healthy. You're one of the best players of your generation, and I believe in you, buddy. I mean, I'm total fake. So that just getting that out of the way, I don't want an angry Brooks Kepka coming after my guys on Team Europe. That's just what I'll say. Avid answer, listener of the Links and Locks podcast. I'm sure, I'm sure. yeah. I'm so sure he's he, locked he's in. hearing that right now, yeah. I mean, him and Joey D are focused in doing a workout, you know. They've got us on, you know. We're just pining with bated breath to hear what we have to say. Nothing gets you fired up during a workout than listening to us, by the way. Right, I mean, no you'll kidding, be, right. You'll so. be setting world records. <laughs> uh, only on heavy days. It's only for us, heavy lifting days. So, sure, sure. Um, if, to answer your question, if I'm running the team, I think there's one guy that fills that role perfectly. And even if he doesn't play – he gained some really valuable experience by being there. I would go off the board a little bit and I would bring Sam Burns. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. He is a little bit further down the points list, but this is a guy who's extremely long. He makes a zillion birdies. He's a little bit prone to the big number and the mistake, maybe the blow up round. But if you bring Sam Burns along and even if he doesn't play, he gains that experience you get from being around the team, being part of the team I mean, the European team has been doing that for years. They, were, they brought Matt Fitzpatrick to a Ryder Cup years before he qualified for the team on his own. They've kind of had that attitude about bringing guys along. I think you could conceivably do that with Sam Burns in this instance. And, I mean, look, he'd be a fine player if you put him out in, you know, the best ball, um, if you need to for two matches and have him in a singles match. I mean, I, I, he, he's a, he can get hot and win, you know, and go win a match for you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, no, there's no question about it. I'm not going way off the board there, but I think in the event he doesn't play, the guy's going to be ecstatic to be there, be a positive presence around the team, and he can learn a lot moving forward. I completely agree with that, and I would have absolutely no issue with that. Here's my take on it. And part I didn't of say this, I think just, that'll happen, but... <laughs> right, and, and just a little small part of this is coming from little bits and pieces that I've heard, but... And I get a lot of people listening right now might not like what I'm about to say. Webb Simpson apparently was much closer to making this Ryder Cup team than I think a lot of people realize. Uh, I think we all look at that 12th spot as being Scotty Scheffler, even though it wasn't necessarily announced that way. But I think Scotty Scheffler was probably the last player on. And, and I think Webb Simpson was very, very close. Now, the rest of this is all observation and inference on my behalf. We're going to talk about the Fortinet Championship in a little bit, the season opener this week. Webb Simpson is fresh off a summer in which he was sick for part of the summer, dealing with illness. He was injured, had a neck injury, forced him out of the Wells Fargo, and it really kind of hampered him throughout the summer. He didn't make the Tour Championship. He's got, I believe, five kids at home now. Uh, I've kind of lost track. but he's got I don't a, have that number in my database. No, he's got a burgeoning family. And yet... This week, Webb Simpson has decided to make the trip from his home in Charlotte, North Carolina, out to Napa in California to play golf. Maybe there's a great reason why. Maybe, you know, he just said, I feel like I'm pretty close and I want to go play to really show myself that I can get the season started off on the right foot. Maybe. I Look, again, I have, I, I have no inside knowledge on this. But maybe Webb Simpson either has been told to stay fresh or feels like he has reason 
to go out and stay fresh and wants to be competitive this week and play in a tournament inside the ropes to be ready should he get a call for something next week. Interesting. Could you, and I'll throw this out there, I know Webb Simpson, also the kind of demeanor, and we both talked to him in the past, and there's no one more agreeable than Webb Simpson, right? He'd be a total, he's a total gentleman and, and would be totally a team player and always has been for all the things for Team USA. Possibly Will Zalatoris in that same boat? I'm playing devil's advocate here, so. throwing it I, out there. Newly I mentioned really rookie think. of the year, Will Zalatoris. Yes, just named rookie of the year. Uh, I don't think so. And you can throw Kevin Na in that same boat too. Kevin Na is playing the Fortinet this week. And the reason why I see Na and Simpson as different scenarios that Na plays this event every year. He's finished yeah, second, he's finished say. third, yeah. he's finished seventh, he's finished 15th. This is, a, this is a really good spot for Kevin Na, and I wouldn't doubt him going out there and winning. I've got him as a top five on my list this week, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Webb Simpson has played here five times in the past and not since 2018. And based on all those things I mentioned, the illness, the injury, it just feels weird to me that he would fly cross-country at this point in the middle of September to go play an event that he doesn't necessarily need to go play. So I'm just trying to, I, I, I'm just trying to connect dots here, and I could be completely wrong, but maybe. Maybe I'm maybe. here for your theories and your dot connecting. I like it. I like that. So I think it's a, it's a great point about Webb and the, look, that's a guy who's been ingrained in the team USA president's and Ryder cup picture for a decade, you know, like other than the, the abyss he wandered into for a year and a half or two, you know, with the, when he, the putter switch, I mean, this is one of the most consistent guys on tour over the last 10 plus years or so, since he won that major championship, um, you know, more than a decade ago. So or a decade or so ago, I'd rather. So um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think that's an interesting theory and, you know, it might hold some water and we'll see, you know, hopefully, hopefully Brooks Kepka, who, like I said, I have total confidence in his abilities <laughs> and I'm not doubting in any way. And we fear you over here on team Europe, but I'm telling you, um, I don't want an angry Brooks Kepka. That's not, that's not what any opposition wants. Um, he just did look at a play. personal Hopefully record. he can play just for the sake of the competition. But if not, then interesting to see if that theory holds water. Okay. Uh, staying on the Ryder cup topic, but Moving on, how many players is the right number of players to call Jay Ray that don't make the team? I, I actually asked Steve Stricker this during his press conference last Wednesday. I asked him, how many calls did you have to make the night before, both on a positive side, those six who were named to the team, and on the negative side, the players that you had to let down? Steve said, I, I made many, many calls. Uh, there are five or six players he was keeping in touch with apparently Billy wasn't one of them. I, I've, I've gotten some intel that they definitely talked at one point. Maybe it wasn't at the very end point where Billy was told, hey, you're not on the team, but they kind of kept in contact for a while. I also wouldn't be surprised if Steve contacted Billy after winning the BMW PGA Championship this past weekend, but sort of telling that Billy was asked by Tim Barter of Sky Sports uh, right after winning the flagship event on the European tour, you know, Hey, you know, you're gutted to not make this team in the past after playing so well, do you think you could be that replacement if Kepka can't play? So, well, I don't know because I was gutted to not receive that phone call. I, I, I wonder, I, knowing Billy and it's two seconds after he's just won this big event, he's looking for a word to describe his emotions. And Tim has just used the word gutted within the question that he's asked to Billy 
And Billy says, you know, I was gutted to not get a phone call. And all of a sudden we've got headlines everywhere, Justin, of Billy Horschel gutted to not get a call from Steve Stricker. I wonder if that's taking it a little too far, first of all. And secondly, what is the cutoff point? I mean, come on. How many people are you supposed to call? We used to put up for JV soccer. They would put all the names on the back of the gym door and you'd go up there and you go, okay, there's the, the QRS. Sobel, Sobel. Uh, nope, not on there. I guess I didn't make it this year. It wasn't coach calling you up going, Hey, you had a really good practice yesterday. Love what you're doing. Love to see you on the team next year, but sorry, we've got to let you down. It's like, no, man, your name's not there. Go home. You didn't make it. I will say that uh, to your point about maybe the headline being just a tad misleading in that, in the interview with Tim Barter of Sky Sports, he also said, you know, I didn't play well enough in the summer to merit a selection or merit to get their own points. He did say that as part of it. So I could see how, you know, your thought that maybe the headline is a tad misleading. I would agree with you there. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> to the point about how many people do you call? I think anybody who you've had conversations with throughout the year, I mean, if you've taught, maybe it's with, if you've talked to the guy within the last couple of months about being on the team, at least a text message or something. I don't know. I don't know what the, there's no right answer to this. I don't know what the cutoff is. If they make me captain someday, I'll have to answer this. And I, I don't foresee that happening in the immediate future, but you know, I, it's a tough question because invariably you're going to have people who are disappointed. You're going to have players who think that, you know, they should be on the team and they weren't. And was it for this reason or that? And, you know, you've got to be as forthright as possible and hopefully the players are accepting of, of the situation. There's only 12 spots. It's a really tough team to make, man. It's hard to make that team. I mean, some guys who had great years, you know, we're not even talking about a guy like Jason Kokrak who could have made the team had the best year of his uh, career, year of his career, won twice this season is a long hitter, would have been a good course fit. And he's not even getting a snip of the discussion, really. So it's just, it's just a euphemism, picked one guy. But it's a tough team to make. And it's, it's a tough situation for um, Captain Stricker to be in. But um, I don't know the number, to be honest with you. Try to give me an answer there. It, it's Six, a great eight, point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't know. This is a silly controversy on a week when there's not much else going on. We have nothing else to talk about. I, I, I did four hours of PGA Tour radio on Sirius XM today, and this was a major topic. And I still go, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yes. I No. It's like Steve Stricker's the nicest guy in golf. If anyone's sitting around thinking like, that was classless as Stricker, what a jerk. He's got to call. Step down off that podium that you're on right now it's come on the soapbox yeah, get agreed. get get down off of that because you're you're just you're wrong about that and jay ray you make a great point and it's one that i've made a, a handful of times over the last few days the fact that we're sitting here debating about all of these players that didn't make it man what should have been webb should have been reed should have been nah should have been horschel kokrak burns kisner all these guys who could have should have would have made it guess what everybody it's a really good problem to have the fact that there are more than 12 good players who could be on this roster. And, and same thing for the European side as well. I mean, you look at the European side and Justin Rose and Robert McIntyre and Victor Perez and Alex Noren, these guys all on the outside looking in. Look, if you get up to 10 players and you're like, uh, let's see, that guy played pretty well at the Sony earlier this year, I, we could see if he's around next week. That's not a good thing. I mean, I look back to 15 years ago, 2006 at the K club, the Brett Wetterick years, Vaughn Taylor on that team, JJ Henry. 
I mean, we are not that far removed from some, and I hate to say it, but sort of mediocre journeyman type players who are on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Can you imagine? I mean, those guys in this era wouldn't sniff the top 100 in the rankings, let alone uh, getting a call telling them they're being named to the team. So we've come a long way. It's a good problem to have the fact that there are more than 12 really good golfers on each side who are worthy of being in the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, even go back five years ago, the last time the Ryder Cup was held in the United States and Team Europe, I mean, Andy Sullivan had a great year on the European tour and won a couple of big, like not big events, but he won a couple of regular season events over there. Andy Sullivan had, he was not a fit on that golf course. He really, in terms of like caliber of player, like he's had a good career. I have nothing against the guy, but that's not the kind of, you know, the team Europe was kind of put behind the eight ball in terms of, you know, who they had on their roster through some automatic qualifying, him being one of them. So yeah, it can, it can fall that way. I kind of related to, remember in the late nineties, early two thousands, when the American league at shortstop had like Derek Jeter at the Yankees and a rod on the Mariners and, Nomar Garcia Parr on the yeah. Red Sox and like Omar Vizquel couldn't get on the, on the all-star team. Yeah. Like that's kind of the situation you've got. Like then Miguel Tejada came up with the A's and like, you've got all, it was just loaded. It was a loaded time at that spot. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's a good problem to have, right? Like if you're, if you've got a team that's that stacked and you're trying to, you've got to whittle away worthy guys instead of, you know, digging for somebody to fill in those last spots, that's something you want. Yeah, I mean, if we're sitting here right now debating, like, I thought it should have been Wetterick. No, I thought Henry should have gotten the call. Then it's not really a good sign moving forward. But this is, uh, you know, the American team has 12 of the top 21 players in the official world golf ranking. It's tough to find too much fault with it. Okay, let's move on, start talking about uh, the upcoming year. And we'll get to the Fortinet Championship and some guy named John Rahm, who's the the favorite in this field, uh, just by a, a little bit. This week, these odds are pretty ridiculous. So uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to get to our five questions this week. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is five under. Our five questions are all built around either uh, end of year awards for the 2021-22 season or theoretical end of year awards or accolades that uh, can be had. So let's start with, uh, all right, PGA Tour Player of the Year, trying to predict it for the upcoming year. And oh, by the way, uh, by the time anyone's listening to this podcast, they will have announced the PGA Tour Player of the Year for the 2020-21 season. And I don't think it's going to be who I thought it was going to be. And it should have been. So there. Really? Yeah, I believe so. really? Just based on something... All right. You know what? I'll say it because the podcast is going to be out after it's announced. I I'm, I think it should be John Rahm. He only had one win. It was the U.S. Open. He could have, should have, would have won the Memorial Tournament up by six going to the last round. He had tied for the low 72 all score at the Tour Championship. I thought the players would vote for him. But, and here's the only thing, Jay Ray, and I'm not supposed to tell anyone this before 8.30 on Tuesday morning, but I don't think the pod's going to be out before then. We're taping this at 7.15 Eastern time on Monday evening. So we've got 13 hours before the announcement. We can even announce that there's an announcement because it's sort of an embargoed thing, but no one's going to hear this until after that. (laughs) It's the announcement and the teleconference are going live at 8.40 a.m. Eastern time 
on Tuesday morning. John Rahm is playing in the Fortinet Championship this week. I can't imagine that he's going to wake up in Napa or in his hometown of Scottsdale at 5.40 local time to do the teleconference. I mean, he's got a newborn, man. It, maybe he's a 4.30 gym guy. Maybe. I don't know. He doesn't – first that glance, just, he doesn't strike me as the Tiger Woods 4 a.m. You know, Michael Jordan workout breakfast club dude. But yeah. It, could it be. Makes I me, don't know. It makes Big me – Big man's got – he's, it he's makes working me feel hard. Like it could be somebody else. It makes me feel like I, maybe I was wrong and it's not John Robb. All right, we'll see. I'll save my outrage for the final product. but we'll, Do you we'll think see. it should hey, be John know, Robb? Player, players picked it and, you know, can't argue with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. How about next year? Who you got next year? So I'm going to go, uh, there's a lot of different guys, obviously you can pick at the top of the game. Um, but I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. He was still sixth on the PGA tour in strokes gain total this year, despite just not having a good year putting um, his ball striking numbers were great throughout the season. He just, you know, he had a few weeks where he got hot with the putter and he looked like the same guy who go out and dominate week to week. Um, he, he's not going to continue to struggle. He's going to find a way to improve that putting performance. The ball striking is always there. A guy who was 104th in strokes game putting, but sixth in strokes game total, sixth in scoring average. I like that combination. Um, I could see him resurfacing. And 2017 was that one major. We're going to be, this is going to be 22. He seems like he'd be about due to get number two and maybe rip off a couple of major championships. You know, he can contend anywhere. So a lot of ways I could go, but I'll go with JT. What about you? I'm going to go chalk, uh, especially if by the time people are listening to this, John Rahm has not won player of the year for the season that just ended. And by the way, um, I guess you have to call it player of the year. So it's POY because you don't want to say player of the season and you have to abbreviate POS. We don't want that. (laughs) But I think John Rahm will, uh, will be even more motivated if indeed he hasn't won it for the previous season and he will win it for the next season. But either way, he's the best player in the game and I've got him. Okay. Rookie of the year won by Will Zalatoris this past year. Congratulations, Will. You didn't get to play the playoffs, but here's a trophy. Uh, Who do you got for the next season, the upcoming season starting this week? This is probably the toughest one to pick, but I'm going to go with Taylor Pendrith. On the Corn Ferry Tour last season, he ranked third in driving distance, 18th in greens and regulation, fifth on the Corn Ferry Tour last season in birdie average, top 20 total driving. What I'm trying to say, the man can strike the ball. He's a really good ball striker. Statistically, that's going to translate, I think, to the PGA Tour. We'll see how he does on the big circuit, but looking at all the different numbers, he seems like a guy who's pretty promising. Had his, I had my eye on him during a couple of weeks where he snuck into some PGA Tour events, thought he was good value, had some decent finishes. So I'm going to go with Taylor Pendrith as my pick. Are you kidding me? I've written them out. Double They're on up. my phone right here. I'll show you on our Zoom call that we're on. Taylor Pendrith, my rookie. Give it to the bank, folks. I mean, we're both right on them. I, I, we are so sorry, Taylor. We did not mean to do this to you, but really whatever sorry, uh, foreseeable oh. dangers come to you, uh, you can just uh, blame us and, and send us the bill. Um, no, I don't believe in jinxing powers at all. Like every time on Twitter when someone, I, I'll I, say a birdie stat or something, and then the guy will yank one in the water, like I'll get eight people go, where to jinx him? I'm like, no, I'm not that powerful. No, that's not a thing. Sorry. I used to have the blog jinx when I, back when I would do the live blog in my ESPN days. And I would know when I could, I mean, it was part of the gig. I will peel back the curtain right now and tell you that like, right. Be, you know, when a guy played a par five, Hey, he's two under through his first seven holes. So-and-so is moving right along. 
and he's going to like the treacherous par four eighth hole where no one's made a birdie all day and he makes bogey and people are like you jinxed him i'm like i didn't jinx him it's part of the game guys come on i knew he was going to the toughest hole like this is keep up you know we know what we're doing here um so yeah i i don't know it's definitely your cosmic powers behind a keyboard yeah right that's it by the way taylor pendrith like he the kind of player i look at big strong dude hits it a lot a a not a real award anymore but maybe it should be it was uh I think they buried the trophy after Steve Stricker won it two years in a row, which is still one of the funnier things that's ever come happened. Back in golf. Come back. He came back. He kept coming. He came back and came back. And he kept there on coming. Sure. All right. Who you got? I, I, I couldn't think of a great one, but who do you have? Uh, I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. I think he's put himself in a spot where, uh, you know what? Listen, you don't want to put yourself in a spot where you can win comeback player of the year, but from all the things that guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth have said about Ricky's game, how hard he's working on it. He's too talented to not come back and, and get a win at some point. And at least, you know, we saw what he did at the PGA championship Had a great week had a top 10 finish there. Um, he's too talented to not find success again. And I think we're, we haven't heard the last of Ricky Fowler. Like he's not, he's not drifting off to the live from golf channel set anytime soon. Like he's going to come back and, and have success on the PGA tour. I'll buy that one. Uh, you pick the guy with the most golf commercials per capita. I will take the player ranking second in that category for some reason. I've never really kind of understood what the marketability was here, but Justin Rose is on every commercial of every break on a PGA Tour telecast. Good for him. He is raking in the the off-course money, and uh, the on-course money didn't really happen for him. He had some injuries and finished outside the top 125. In fact, I think it was 126th on the final FedEx Cup points list going into the playoffs so he didn't get to play in those just missed out on the Ryder cup so i'll say justin rose has a good year next year and he gets good call his two best finishes of the season masters pga championship i really thought he was going to take off after that pga too he made 16 birdies on the weekend of the pga finished top 10 and then not much after that all right speaking of the fedex cup who's your fedex cup champion for next Uh, year we are only 11 and a half months away so I, I need the you to stick with this, and we're going to like play this back and embarrass you if you get this horribly wrong. Yeah, well, who knows what the world will look like in 11 and a <laughs> half months. We'll see. But I'm going to go with a guy who's quietly becoming synonymous with success at Eastlake. So I think that he's too good to not get back to Eastlake, and the odds will say that he'll put himself in a position to win. Numbers-wise, in my head, it's all turning, and I'm going to say Xander Shoffley is the FedEx Cup champion. He's never shot over par I think it's out 20 career rounds at Eastlake Golf Club. That stat's still fresh in my mind from the tour championship a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and of course, he's, you know, he's continued to climb the ladder of professional success, winning that gold medal. I think the things that come next naturally in the progression of him as a player, a major championship at some point down the road, great success in the U.S. Open in his career. Um, and hey, I'm saying the FedEx Cup next year. I've got Xander too, but for our next question, not this one. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But for this one, I, I've got a guy who hasn't played great at Eastlake yet, but uh, unlike Xander, I, I think his game is is going to match up well with Eastlake at some point, and he's too good for it not to. Colin Morikawa is a, a preeminent ball striker. I mean, maybe the game's best iron player that we have right now. Got to be a good iron player at Eastlake. And so I, I think that, at some point, and I don't think he was fully healthy. I think maybe his 
whether it's the mind is wandering, he's just kind of tired after a summer that included winning the open championship can sort of very much like after he won the PGA championship last year, kind of got into a little swoon afterwards and didn't play his best golf for a couple of months. So I, I think something's not quite perfect with Collins game right now, but if he goes into the playoffs next year with the right mindset, I think Eastlake is a place where he can succeed. All right. Last question of our five questions. Give me one guy to win a major championship in 2022 for the first time. I'll go with the reigning FedEx Cup champion, Patrick Cantlay. I think he's too consistent, puts himself in too many good spots to not have success and break through at a major championship eventually. Um, obviously, the best golf of his career those last two weeks you saw in the playoff against Bryson DeChambeau at Caves Valley where he just putted out of his mind. And then his putter wasn't particularly hot when he hung on to win the Tour Championship, got that head start, took advantage of it, and uh, hit the ball brilliantly around Eastlake all week. So I'll go with Patrick Cantlay, pick up his first major championship next year. When you speak with players who see their peers on a regular basis and you ask them like, hey, who are you, know, who are you really impressed by? Who are the best players out there? Uh, the two names I always hear, uh, maybe other than John Rahm and Justin Thompson, maybe those are a little too obvious, but it's Cantley and it's Xander Shoffley. I don't think the public necessarily understands how good Xander Shoffley is. Phil Mickelson credited Xander with showing him how good he is and, and showing him how much he needs to improve if you want to go win another major championship. Um, I, I think the guys who have played a handful of rounds with Xander Shoffley believe that he could at some point be the best player in the world and he will indeed win a major championship. So he's my guy. Uh, I think Xander's due for a really, really big season coming up. All right. Let's first get- player, Xander Shoffley, first player to finish in the top 10 in each of his first five U.S. Open starts since Bobby Jones. <sighs> It's good company, isn't it? I've heard of that guy. Decent. He's good. Decent. <laughs> good spot to be in. Let us get into uh, what the kids are calling the Fortnite championship. Um, if you want to skew younger. Today, I read today that Fortnite is the way that Borat would say Fortnite. And I've been thinking about that all <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I for, I'm apologies for what, what person on the tweeter machine said that, but I've, I've been cracking up at that all day. I, I have said it very quickly to to my nine year old. Said, "Hey, you want to watch Fortnite this week? And he's like, Fortnite, Fortnite, which we don't let him play, but he's like Fortnite. I want to play Fortnite. No, you can watch Fortnite. I can watch people play Fortnite. Yeah, play the Fortnite Championship. It's a golf tournament. He's like, no, Fortnite. Like, it's not working. Like, whatever I'm trying to do, it, it, he he will not wind up watching golf by the end of the week. Nice try, Dad. Try. Yeah. So." Uh, we look at the odds board right now. Uh, John Rahm is actually, uh, apparently he's been faded a little bit. He was uh, plus 300 the last time I looked at on DraftKings. He's plus 350 as I'm looking right now. So bargain time on John Rahm. Uh, by the way, I'll get to something related to what a ridiculous price he is in a full field in just a minute. Uh, Webb Simpson, 14 to 1. Kevin Nas, 16. Hideki at 22, along with Will Zalatoris. Then we start moving into the Cameron Tringali, Charlie Hoffman, Harold Varner, Sebastian Munoz, Cameron Champ, Mark Leishman territory down there. I do think there's plenty of value further down the board with uh, only a few big names in this one. By the way, so John Rahm, uh, anywhere from three, three and a half to one this week, uh, went back and looked with some of my Action Network colleagues earlier today at uh, some of the players that have had really, really short odds. I believe the winner, and I did some research on this one about a year ago or so, uh, Tiger Woods 
this is sort of the perfect storm. Tiger Woods, the most dominant player of all time, uh, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which was a place where he dominated, in 2008 when he was dominating. I mean, you're, there's a lot of things working here. Remember we used to say, Jay Ray, Tiger of the field? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2008, I, we had a segment on SportsCenter when I was the researcher. Mm-hmm. Will Tiger have a perfect season? Oh, my goodness. Think about that. Yeah. That was a real conversation they had. And then, oh, he finished fifth at Doral. What a shame. 2008, I was still working at ESPN. I, you probably had me on that segment. I, <laughs> probably, I, yeah. Yeah, we were probably doing that together. Um, I was in the dark building a graphic somewhere. Yeah, so I wasn't paying too much attention to the betting odds back then, but the Tiger of the field, you could have gotten the field at plus money. Tiger was minus 110 oh, to God. win that event. And, oh, by the way, at the end of the week, that was the hat slammer where he rolled in like a 30-footer on 18, yeah. and he won. He cast your minus 110 tickets to win against a 120-man field at the API this week, that week. That's dumb. That's just <laughs> dumb. Well, I mean, like, he batted 500 in, at Bay Hill for the – I mean, he might still be there, but, like, he was 8 for – probably 8 for 17 or 7 for 17 at some point there now. But, yeah, yeah hey, makes sense. It's still ridiculous to think about. I, can you, Matt? I'm so glad I wasn't writing betting content at that point. What What do you do with that? He's minus one ten. You can't bet him. Like you can't bet Tiger this week. Yeah, who should I bet? No one else because Tiger's going to win. I, I don't, I don't I'm know. through the weeds on Rory Sabatini greens and regulation stats, <laughs> trying to find you something because there's no strokes gained data. There's no course anything, and this dude in red shirt the color of blood comes out and takes lives on a weekly basis i don't know i i'm glad too there's, there's nothing to talk about it was fun to watch was and it was greatness but yeah from a betting perspective i don't want any part of that i think he beat sean o'hare that week imagine sitting on sitting on a sean o'hare ticket and then it's yeah, like oh, oh he was the tiger he was actually here. five back entering the final round yeah and i remember that day later that it was later in the <laughs> that sunday night i was doing um i think it was like an nba raps is what we called it on espn where you're basically you're in the studio and they're like let's throw back to mark jones who's got an update and it was mark jones in the seat and i was the researcher and he this was the way he asked the question who's the poor sap that tiger killed today it was brilliant <laughs> and i was like sean o'hare he's like sean o'hare <laughs> it was probably the only golf highlight he did all year and that was and that was it so shout out sean o'hare okay well based on all that would you or will you bet John Rahm at a very, very short number in Napa this week? I will not. Um, it strikes me. I mean, as, as awesome as he's been, like his only finish outside the top 10 since May was his withdrawal when he led by six at the Memorial. As great as he's been, that's, that number is just ridiculous. And I think this is a week where there's a lot of value further down the board, like you mentioned. I also think, too, that there's got to be an element of this guy's had a really dramatic, most dramatic year of his life, right? Mm-hmm. Won a major championship, all the COVID stuff, had a kid, the Ryder Cups in a week. There's got to be some, I mean, he's got to have a 74 in the bag somewhere, right? Like where it's just, it's just human nature. So no, I'm not going to, the odds are just too, too small. Now, if he had a number closer to like what, like Webb Simpson's at, then yeah, sure. But it's just too small of a number for me. Minus 330 for a top 10 this week for John Rob. Uh, come on this is this is did silliness. they even have top 10 bets for tiger back in the day was there even a i mean point? if he was minus 110 to win he was like probably 
minus 1500, minus 2000 for a top 10. I mean, like yeah. the most top 10 equity that you could ever, but like, you just have to pour money into that ticket to get a little bit back. It's like, yeah, Batman, like some, Alabama money line stats, against. I got, yeah. I got to get some betting uh, archive stats to dig through and, and check that out. But yeah. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I, I will stay away from my own. Although if you want to chase them on DFS and pay 12,100, I believe on DraftKings this week, be my guest. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. He should play pretty well, but yeah, it's, it's just a weird one and, and very strange. He's going there before the Ryder cup too. Uh, yeah, I believe the only player on either Ryder cup team who is, uh, who's playing this week. So, uh, all right. Well, if you don't like him based on the price, who do you like this week? Uh, the guy you talked about earlier is interesting to me in Webb Simpson. Um, I haven't thought about that Ryder cup theory you had uh, no top 10 finishes in his previous five starts at this event. However, I will give you a stat about this golf course that tells me a lot, Jason Sobel. Um, the key approach shot sat this week at the Fortinet at Silverado. Over the last three years, there have been nearly 4,900 approach shots hit from 50 to 120, from 50 to 125 yards at this golf course. So wedge shots. That's the third most of any course on the PGA Tour in that span. Webb Simpson, second on the PGA Tour last season in scoring average from that range. Really productive wedge player, even in a down year where he had the neck injury, he had the COVID issue. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit and wasn't the same guy who won the scoring title the previous season. He was still really good with his wedges. So that's a key stat I'm looking at. Um, I could see him having a good week simply based on that number, him putting himself in a lot of opportunities to score there. And then you go down a little bit more. Hideki Matsuyama, sure, why not? Kind of interesting to see him in this field, kind of an unexpected name to pop up, right? A little funny that it would that he would mm-hmm. uh, that he'd be here, but I think his ball striking metrics kind of match up well with this golf course. This is a golf course where putting has been a little bit neutralized for winners over the last six, seven years. And there's been a much bigger emphasis in terms of approach shots and performance off the tee benefiting players. So I know Hideki hasn't played great since he lost that playoff to Abraham answer in Memphis. Uh, but at the top of the board, I tend to like those two guys a little bit more than John Rahm at that number. This is one of those weeks where anyone at the top of the board is a viable candidate. Uh, quite frankly, the guy that I like is a guy that you didn't mention out of the top players, Kevin Na. If you thought Billy Horschel wanted to shove it and show Steve Stricker something, just wait till Kevin Na gets out there on a course where he's played some really good golf over the years. So I, I could certainly see Kevin Na. And by the way, I'm staying off Twitter on Sunday evening if Kevin Na wins the Fortinet Championship because all the Kevin Na people will be out there just going. See, I told you, I told you on a completely different course than Whistling Straits, but I told you he should have been on that team, which doesn't matter that he won the week before, has no bearing on how we'll play at Whistling Straits, but they will be out in full force. I'm not sure uh, my feed can deal with that. So um, I, I don't mind Kevin Na. I don't mind really anyone towards the top. I think the numbers are way too short once we start getting to the Tringales and the Hoffmans and the Varners. Uh, there's yeah. just not much win equity for me at 3000 plus 3000 to plus 4000 for those guys. I I'll probably start the card at uh, Emiliano Grillo, who's my favorite outright play on the board at 50 to one. He won here in 2016 players who play well at Silverado tend to play well here year after year. It's a horse course kind of place. And so Grillo is a guy that I've been waiting to sort of make this leap into the next echelon over the last couple of seasons, and he hasn't quite done it. 
if you can get that putter going just a little bit, I get that's a big if, but I can really see Grillo maturing into a top 25, top 30 player this year. I think he's 74th or so on the world ranking right now. So uh, I think that can happen for him. And I think he can start this week. I'm going to go right down the list of a handful of players that I do like this week. Mito Pereira plays his best golf at birdie fest type venues. And this one should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 22 under to win this tournament. So I like Mito a lot. I see you nodding your head there. Uh, Maverick McNeely, by the way, one of my favorite recent bets, and this is a weird one, but Maverick McNeely top thirties until the BMW championship where he finished 60 something, he went seven straight events where he was top 30. He's just cashing tickets every single week in not one of those. Did he finish inside the top 15? His highest finish was 16th. So he was 16th through 30th in seven straight events. I think that's just sort of his calling card. I, I think he's the next generation's Charles Howell III. And I mean, no disrespect by that. I don't know that there's a ton of win equity, but I think he's going to be an absolute ATM for a long time. And he can that's, be an ATM for us as well. That's funny you mentioned Charles Howell because we did not have this conversation beforehand. The first thing I thought of was Charles Howell in California, of course. Oh yeah, so we'll, you know, follow that to the bank for yeah. twenty years, just yeah. like he has. <laughs> I, I mean, it's this is all set up for a Charles Howell and Matt McNeely tie for 18th place this week. There you go. Yeah, that'll uh, get the folks away from the NFL action. Exactly. Yeah. Right. A <laughs> uh, couple other names. Stephen Yeager is a guy that I'll be keeping my eye on. He is a he is a PGA Tour talent who was playing on the Corn Ferry last year and. Uh, he, he wound up playing really well, led the money list. Uh, Ches Reeve is a guy who's played well. Doug Gim interests me this week. Moving down the list, Taylor Pendrith is a guy that we talked about being rookie of the year, and maybe he can get off to a good start at this one. Brendan Steele, my buddy Steely. I got the caddy bib right over my shoulder right here. Brendan Steele, Brendan Steele, Brendan Steele. I just want to be able to hit the ball higher, a little bit farther. Steele with a rip off the 12th. Hard to beat. Wow, that was just jammed in. It's the man of steel. How good was that? Wow. He's only won this twice and has three other top 25s. He traditionally gets very little love in the marketplace. He's a bargain every week. He's 100 to 1. I mean, look at this. You got Roger Sloan is 80 to 1. Aaron Rye is 80 to 1. Grayson Sig is 80 to 1. Brandon Steele is 100 to 1. He's won here twice. Statistically speaking, he's a remarkably average tour player, but it's the steely demeanor and resolve that have laid the foundation for his achievements. He's the first name I had written down on my list. I was like, did I miss something? Like, I know he hasn't had a great summer. He's missed four of his last five cuts, but the guy's won on this golf course twice, and he's in the land of, you know, guys who just got off the Corn Ferry Tour in terms of, you know, outright bets. Um, so, yeah, he was the first name I wrote down. I got two more for you. James Hahn, who drives the ball really well plays well on the West coast and, and sort of pops up when you don't really expect him. And Brandon Hagee is a guy that I'm really high on this season. I think he's a guy that's going to win at some point. I think it's probably going to be an alternate field event, you know, maybe like a Barracuda Barbasol kind of place like that. But I think Brandon Hagee uh, is going to turn himself into a really good PGA tour player does play well on the West coast. So I think this could be a good one. He's 200 to one, by the way. All right. Okay. Shoot. Hey, Hagee and James Hahn, both Cal bears, if I'm not mistaken. Well, maybe I'm just going for the that, that part of the world up there in Northern California. Uh-huh. Huh. Interesting. Okay. 
All right. I got that. Right. Max Home on my list quick. then too. Uh, Han was the one I was uncertain of. It was about 95%. He was a Cal Bear, but I just pulled that up. Um, so yeah, that part of the world. I got another Cal Bear that I like at the top of my list. Now, you mentioned Brendan Steele. That's not the Cal Bear. The guy next on my list that I like is Max Homa. I mentioned that wedge performance statistic, guys who score really well from 50 to 125 yards. Max Homa was in the top 20 in that statistic last year on the PGA Tour. Got to the BMW Championship last year in the playoffs before bowing out, but I kind of like his value on this board. I'll give you a guy who's maybe my favorite interesting player in the field to see what he, this is just from a golf fan perspective, not necessarily a betting perspective. Kiradek Affy Barnrat yeah, got sure. his PGA Tour card at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Then he went to Wentworth Damn near won the thing <laughs> in London. And now he's coming back across the planet and he's going to play in Napa this week. Like what was great is that he was so overjoyed. He lit it up. I think it was on either Friday or Saturday. Shall Perhaps like literally. <laughs> yeah. Vape God. One of my favorite images uh, is him in a plume of avalanche of white smoke after he great. takes a, uh, a hit of the vape pin. But no, he, uh, he said after, you know, in his usual ebullient way, um, that he was so happy to just be out there playing again because he missed so much time stuck in Thailand during COVID-19. He had fallen. He's at, He was outside like the top 500 in the world ranking going into Wentworth. So good to see him back out there because he's a skilled guy. He's fun to watch. He's a great personality. And, you know, it's it's kind of a fun to see him globetrot here the last three weeks racking up some miles. Um, I got another guy. Another one's fun to watch, but he nearly won this golf tournament last year. Harry Higgs, averaging nearly five birdies per round. Uh, on this golf course his price is extremely low i wrote down emiliano grio as well you know you mentioned you could see him kind of taking the next step in his career elite iron player just needs to get better around the greens from a strokes gain perspective and he can make a big jump and then the other name i wrote down um, a guy we've talked about taylor pendrith i think those elite ball striking stats from the corn ferry tour are going to translate to the pga tour hopefully he has a big season in his rookie campaign out here on the big tour homa higgs Afa Barnrat. I want to find three other players for you to throw in a DraftKings lineup with basically all team personality. You can throw Phil in there. Uh, maybe two other Pat, look, I'm Pat gonna, Perez I'm gonna and talk. Charlie Hoffman. There, there, there's your six-man lineup in DraftKings. Phil during football season. I want to talk to my man like when he's got like a six-team NFL parlay going. and like Because that's got to be – he's got to have some stories, man. Like he's got incredible golf stories and some stories. He's led a very voluminous – full life but I, some of those betting stories are pretty legendary and i'd love to just you know sit there and he probably can tell you who's got the best rush defense in the nfc south and all kinds of you know he can. to help him with the, he can. okay so i can't really tell the story because phil got mad at me the last time i told the story how can i talk my way around the story uh three years ago <laughs> on based on this day three years ago actually i caddied for brendan Steele in the bmw championship it was uh, rained out Sunday was rained out. Uh, it was week one of the NFL season, got to sit around and watch football all day. And the next day came back and uh, Steely's caddy had left because he was a lame duck. Couldn't make it to the next week and said, I'll just find somebody. And I happened to be that somebody. And we're playing in a group with Brian Harmon and one Phil Mickelson. And so we wound up talking football and maybe even talked about some spreads and some odds and how to wager on football. And uh, Phil, I hope is not listening to this. will get mad at me again, but all I can tell you is fade the Bucks next week. Okay. You can go through it and look at it. Uh, the team that wins the Super Bowl always plays at home. They play on Thursday night. Then they take a week and a half off. They usually go on the road. I don't even know who they're playing next week, but it usually goes poorly. 
That's all I can tell you. Okay. I like it. That's like the West Coast teams in the one o'clock window on the East Coast. Yes. yes. You can just take with you, excluding, of course, the Seahawks last week, but you get later in the season and you can take that to the bank. The number was like 22 and four against the spread. In any case, just between us, nobody tell Phil I said that. He got mad at me years ago. Betting's a little more out more there. More socially now, so. accepted now. It's okay. Well, a little more acceptable. So, just all right. Uh, let's make a DraftKings lineup. What do you think? Why not? Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So, let's get drafting. Start the stuff out with a good season. By the way, uh, for those listening, I have written a 5,000-word synopsis of potential one-and-done plays for all 48 events of this coming PGA Tour season. You'll be able to find that on the Action Network, theactionnetwork.com, the Action Network app, Golf Bet, and I don't know, maybe I'll put it on Twitter as well. So, uh, yeah, give, give it a click. I, for anyone playing in OADs, it at least gets you thinking in the right headspace of like, hey, here's a guy, you know, I've listed a an old reliable at each place. Think Webb Simpson at the Wyndham. Uh, just a guy who's going to cash for you, and he's going to be there. I list a course horse, so a guy who, you know, a Brendan Steele at Napa, a guy who, you know, tends to play well at the same course every single year. And then a wild card, a guy who had to say, you know what? I don't know, not a great record, maybe not a great fit. Maybe it's a rookie, but a guy that I think can play well at this specific event. Maybe it's a guy sleeping in his own bed. Maybe it's a guy who went to college in the area. Something where I went through. So I give you three picks for all 48 events for one and done pools Uh, to those who start in January, clip and save bookmark it to those who are starting this week. Godspeed, because I I salute you when you're starting one and done pools in the middle of September and not getting done till late August of the next year. That is fantastic. I think that's really cool. The hell of a commitment. I'll check that out, man, for sure. Thank you. Um, All right, let's get to our lineup. All right, I got first pick, uh, and I'm going to go with the name that's hanging directly over your shoulder here that I'm looking at. Brendan Steele is a two-time winner on this golf course, and he is $7,400. I think that is a slam dunk. Give me Brendan Steele as our first pick. Uh, I'd like to give you an update on Brendan Steele, by the way. Sure. Would you like the latest upset? He's going to be very mad coming into this week. Straight cash homie has defeated Skinny, the Brendan Steele fantasy football team, 123.16 123.16 to 120.56, a little two and a half point victory for the straight cash homies. And uh, Steely ain't happy right now. I can tell you that much. Congratulations on your victory. Birdie Machine dropped to 0 and 1, carried by, buoyed by a great performance by both Kyler Murray and Christian McCaffrey. But Ooh. Mike Jacecki, no t- like no touches for the Dolphins, really put us behind the eight ball at tight end. Uh, not good. And we started Cortland Sutton on a, on a flyer. And it, didn't, it didn't pan out. So we're going to shake up the lineup here in week two. We're on to, we're on to week two. Birdie machine is Gesicki, by the way, fantasy football update. Thanks folks. <laughs> Gesicki had a ball in his hands from 25 yards out on like third and 14, pretty late in the game. It hit his hands, popped out, hit another guy's hands, didn't catch it. And the Pats intercepted the ball. And I thought that was it. Like they were going to, we're going to race down the field. We're going to win this thing. And then Damian Harris. <laughs> Damian Harris, by the way, the only player to be on all five of my fantasy teams this year. Thanks, wow. Dame. Let's move on. Emiliano Grillo. 
I'll take him at 8,900. Uh, ball striker, like his game. I think he's underperformed the last couple of seasons. Let's get it going, Emiliano. You're a better player than this. Yeah, yeah. Won there in 2016 and a lot of low rounds there uh, since then. Just a couple of bad rounds sprinkled. Bad, in bad final rounds. It's like he's yeah. kind of up there. He's like T16 and finishes 33rd or whatever it might be. I mean, it's yeah. just it's got to keep it going for four rounds. A guy that good with his irons and that kind of shaky here and there with the short game can be volatile, but some value there. Uh, I'm going to go back to a guy I mentioned, Cal Bear in his neck of the woods also talked about how prolific he is with a wedge in his hands in terms of giving himself scoring opportunities and capitalizing it in the top 20 and scoring average from 50 to 125 yards last season. Big stat this week, Max Homa, 8,700. Give me Max. Since the Cal Bears and the Stanford Cardinal tend to play so nicely together, uh, I figured we'll put together two guys on the same lineup uh, in the same team room. Nav McNeely, I told you the stat, he, he's a top 30 machine. He is a cut maker, and he is a guy that's going to grind out uh, some cash for you. I also like the fact that in some of those top 30s, he was T43 going into the final round. He's a guy that, very interesting knowing his background, but he seems to be motivated by, hey, let me go out there and make some cash on a Sunday, which, or maybe he's just, doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders and says, Hey, it don't really matter. Dad's a billionaire. I don't really need to make this money. So I can just go play freely and not worry about it. I don't know. One of the two things, but he grinds on Sundays. And I like that math of nearly 8,600. Okay. Uh, with my last pick, I'm going to go with the guy you mentioned earlier. He gets a lot of run on this show, but it's because he's very talented and he's got a fun name. Mito Pereira, 8,000. Um, I think he could, He's definitely talented enough to play his way onto the President's Cup team. Maybe not this year, but at some point. Um, I like him this week. Let's go Mito, 8000 I think is a really good price. This is a very, very balanced lineup. Very. I uh, like that. I mean, I told you going into the week, I like the value a little bit down the board, more so than a top-heavy play. I think this is the way to go. I agree. Uh, I mentioned this guy's name earlier. Steven Yeager is a PGA Tour player who just happened to be on the Corn Ferry last year. Had him on our radio show a few weeks ago, and I asked him, where should we pick you? He didn't say this week. He said the Sanderson Farms, which is coming up very soon, and the Sony Open he always thought would be a place where he played well. So uh, I've listed him there on my OAD piece, but I still like him this week as well. He's played well on the West Coast. I believe the 59 he shot a few years ago on the Corn Ferry was a West Coast event. He's also, oh, by the way, if this matters, he's finished fourth, fourth, second in his last three starts. Uh, I get he hasn't played for a couple of weeks, but I can't imagine that he's so rusty that that doesn't carry over a little bit. So we've got Grillo, Homa, Jaeger, McNeely, Pereira, Steele in this lineup, leaving 200 left over. I really like that. Nice balance. Ship it. I play. I mean, look, guys, I play. I say guys, my, our listeners, uh, I play these every week and we're on a little bit of a heater here with our with some wins. Uh, you know, I think three or four in a row here now. So get on board. Ship it. I, I will also say, just like you, these are my favorite weeks. I mean, yeah, okay, I will fire for the Masters and the U.S. Open and tournaments like that. We're like, oh, it's cool. Tour, tour championship was my least favorite week playing golf DFS. It's like, I don't know, take 20% of the field, whatever, who cares? But uh, this is going to be some of my favorite weeks coming up when it's like everyone's focused on football. Everyone's doing other stuff. I was going to say, and it's super volatile. You've got a lot of guys. You've got some top-heavy like your ROM at the top of the field this week, but then you've got, I mean, how many of these guys in the field you might have all 25 of the corn Ferry tour graduates on year two. Um, it's just a lot of chance for volatility. It's so much fun this time of year. Like you said, 
yeah, can't wait to get into it. So oh, finally, at long last, the PGA Tour is back this week. Uh, can't wait for next week, too. I will be at the Ryder Cup. Are you going to be there, Jay Ray? Uh, I will not be. I'll be hunkered down in my bunker uh, distributing statistics where needed. But um, enjoy it out there, man. It's going to be fun. Thank you. I will try. You are uh, trending towards, by the way. any other man. Yeah, I, I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I'm hosting post-game shows on PJ Tour Radio, uh, or I guess Ryder Cup Radio, we'll call it, uh, Thursday through Sunday, or Friday through Sunday after the play. So it's going to be really, really fun. And, oh, by the way, I was going to mention it earlier, you're trending to become the first American to ever captain the European team, and I can't wait. I, I just want to match up against you. I want to be your counterpart in that. That's All right, well, we'll see. We get to that point down the road. You know, I may have to take – look, they make you play on the European tour, be a member of the European tour to be a player. I don't know if I have to apply for citizenship in the U.K., to, to get to that point, but yeah, maybe someday we'll see. I feel like some country will take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Good luck to everybody out there. And thanks so much to listen for listening to the links and locks podcast. As always subscribe, download, rate us. Just don't be mean about it, please. Good luck with all your plays this week at the Fortinet championship. For Jay Ray, I'm Jason Sobel. Here's hoping you get the greatest.